Welcome everybody into the latest episode of Before the Crowd. I'm joined this week by Natalie Miranda. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. It's uh, it's been really nice to to kind of meet you, uh, <laughs> virtually online and do this because I've been following you on Instagram now. Well, we've been following each other for, uh, I, I don't know. It seems like however That's long. Time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's been really cool to sort of see like watching an artist like yourself and go kind of, you know, through the different stages of their career. Um, but you've just brought out your single Poltergeist? Uh, so Poltergeist came out in March this year, just before lockdown. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like ages ago now, but yeah, it's, it seems to have sort of, uh, I think it's doing all right. I think people are liking it. Um, so yeah, and I'm currently, what well, I'm working on releasing a new one very soon. It's being mastered at the moment. So. 
Oh, okay, cool. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the new single that's coming out, or is it is it top secret? Uh, no, not really. Um, it's it's called Catch Twenty Two. Um, it's nothing to do with the book or anything like that. <laughs> um, but it's it's a different style. It's kind of it was kind of inspired more of sort of from like. I'm going to say blues and people are going to expect a blues song, but it's not. It's just like the old kind of blues bands, maybe like like Free, that kind of base their songs on blues rhythms and um, structures and things like that. But it's it's a pop song ultimately, but it's just got me in it. So, you know, it's got like a soul vibe, a blues vibe, and it's different to Poltergeist. It's different to Red Light that I released a few years ago. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. And we shot the video yesterday took the whole day and it was so hot and really really hard shoot but <laughs> it's finished so yeah <laughs> amazing so what, what made you go in the direction of of having kind of that blues in, influence in your music I for this new song I just wanted to do something different to the others the others were just distinctly pop tracks in their production and and everything and I I'm inspired by old school blues and soul and rock. I love that kind of that kind of vibe. Um, I'm not really. I love pop music. I love to dance to it and sing to it. But I I'm not really a kind of pop sort of girl <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> so I just wanted to kind of put that into one of my songs and just put it out there and see what happens. <laughs> nice. That's pretty cool. It's yeah. I guess it's good to go in those different directions as well because like having all those different influences and being able to bring it to the forefront of your music and yeah. allowing your music to, to change and adapt, I think is really important. Yeah. Um, but um, I guess like what I was going to ask you then, um, kind of going back to Poltergeist a little bit, um, what, what was the, uh, the meaning behind the lyrics to that song? Um, so it, was, it, it wasn't actually anything I've been through. I, it was literally inspired by the word Poltergeist. I just thought that's oh, a really interesting word and it conjures up so many different things in people's heads so I just kind of put it into the context of a guy that just keeps coming and going in and out of someone's life and mm. turning her world upside down like poltergeist do kind of thing so um and I wanted to make it kind of dark and kind of creepy so the, the video is is quite creepy um <laughs> so that's 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 the story behind it really <laughs> yeah I, um, I watched the video and it's it's super minimalist because it's for anyone who hasn't seen it, like you're, you're in the dark room, you're kind of on the floor for a lot of it and you've got like the single light bulb yeah. above your head and it's flickering a little bit. And is that sort of to, like you said, imitate like if it was a poltergeist or? So the, the video was shot literally in a closet. It's, it was a tiny little closet. It's not a room, yeah, a tiny closet. Um, and we just painted it black. And um, yeah, the idea for my sort of view of that was that it was like the girl's mind so mm. she she's just going crazy because she doesn't know whether she's coming or going and you know it's just really upsetting for her and, and the light was just to add a little bit of drama to it and you know because like you said we wanted to keep it minimalist but it had a, it was all a, had a great effect on the video in the end so yeah, yeah. I'm, really, I'm really happy with it it was on a budget so <laughs> it, you know but it, it genuinely doesn't look like it's on a budget because you know the way you've shot it the cameras the lighting and it's not just like sometimes you see a music video and it's sort of one shot the whole time, but you've been yeah. in from different angles and yeah, it doesn't look like a budget video. It looks great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> right. So did you write the, the music behind Poltergeist as well? Or how does your songwriting process work? 
so I generally write lyrics and melodies and um, then actually my writing partner is my husband so he goes away and writes that puts the whole track together and does the production as well um, and yeah we kind of work very well like that um, I I just find it easier to, to write top lines they just come really easy to me and I just let the experts put the, the kind of structure together <laughs> <laughs> nice. is it um, is it challenging kind of working with with your husband and someone you're so close to obviously having a personal relationship and then a professional one of their, their sometimes differences um, there are sometimes differences. I mean, we, we've been writing together for a really long time. Um, but, you know, sometimes he'll insist on something and I'll insist on something. And then like, we talk about it. But at the end of the day, like, it's my name going out there. So I usually <laughs> get my way. Right. You get your way. I, yeah. But like, I, you know, I'm always happy to listen to positive criticism for sure. <laughs> No, I know what you mean. Sorry, constructive criticism. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know what you mean because it, like you said, you it's good when you can have other people's influence and your and opinions. But yeah, if you don't like a certain thing, yeah, you're the one who's got to go on stage and you've got to sell those lyrics, or you, you've got to yeah. give that song life and you've got to believe it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's um, it's interesting how I've spoken to a few different songwriters. And some people just exclusively, they don't take any influence at all. And they're like, no, it's completely my baby. Uh, it's their creative project. Yeah. And they almost, they, they don't care about how well their music does. Or yeah. if it, you know, reaches an audience of millions. Or if it's just for them. I mean, where, where do you think you fall into that? Do you kind of, do you write and release music more for kind of like commercial success? Or to fulfill yourself as an artist? I would say right now, at this stage of my life, I'm doing it to fulfill myself, to be honest. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've been sort of trying to make it, if you like, in inverted commas for so many years. And about, I don't know, two, three years ago, I just kind of went, look, I'm always going to be singing. I'm always going to be a musician. I might as well just do music that I'm happy about, that sort of excites me. And if it just so happens to uh, sort of, you know, connect with someone else, then that's great. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I, you know, you spend so long kind of trying to conform as a younger artist, kind of up and coming, and then you just reach a point and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to do what makes me happy. And um, yeah, that's I think cool. that's where I'm at. <laughs> where you, um, I have like two questions that immediately has, has jumped from that. I guess the first is, uh, how, how did you feel that you were kind of made to conform? What In what elements would you say, like musically or kind of image-wise or...? I I think, I mean, it might be a bit of both, to be honest. I mean, the thing that's always been sort of a, an issue for me has always been people have said, I've got a great voice, but it's just too different. And, you know, even from A&R's, managers, I've, like, I've never been managed. I've like, just none, had none of that. And it's always been, we don't know what to do with you. Your voice doesn't sort of suit pop music or it's not what's on the radio at the moment or whatever. And you know, we don't know where to put you. And for me, that's just like, well, surely I'm thinking, isn't that good? Aren't you like yeah. now working with something that's totally different? But it's just not been, it's not been the way that <laughs> people have been thinking. And, and it's, it, it has been tough over the years trying, especially when I was younger, I never really, I found, I really took that to heart. I've got really offended. I was like, oh, well, it's me, I'm the problem. You know, I need to try and change myself or maybe I should start writing sort of more, classic pop tunes or whatever for 
you know, and I, and I did, I wrote loads, but to sing them, it doesn't feel natural to me. I feel more natural singing. I like more kind of angsty songs or things just with lots more emotion behind them. Mm. No, that's you know, cool. and, that's, and that's not to put down pop music. I've got to say that because I love it. I buy it. I listen to it. It's just not something that I want to sort of do myself. Yeah, I, I think that's your right yeah. as, as an artist. And it's, I know what you mean. It's not necessarily trashing it, but I mean, no. like I don't necessarily go out and listen to, you know, like I call it bubblegum pop every yeah. day. And it's got a, for a certain audience and a certain target market, I think it's brilliant. Yeah. But, it, but if you're not enjoying it necessarily, or you haven't got that emotion behind it, you're not going to get that fulfillment, I don't think. Yeah, exactly. But was, were you always kind of pushed into that kind of classic pop genre as such, or? Um, I mean, I always kind of, I mean, before I met Simon, my, my, my now husband, um, mm. I was always writing sort of piano ballads myself, you know, so it was always a little bit on the sad side. My songs are always sad and things like that. Um, but, you know, I had lots of people saying to me, you need to, you need to try and market yourself as, as that kind of pop, bubblegum pop person. Right. Um, and I, and I, did, I tried, you know, and, you know, I've done so many gigs and, you know, I used to do shows for free, you know, when I was younger and I would always sing sort of classic pop tunes and things and it just never felt right. And I really, I really did try to kind of conform, but it just, didn't work for me and whether that was to my detriment I don't know but I I just know that now I feel kind of at peace with myself because I'm following what's in my heart musically and if people don't like that then there's nothing I can do about it <laughs> but, yeah. you know there you go <laughs> no no I, I completely understand and I think yeah. I don't know if you'd agree but I think especially for a lot of younger artists out there who are maybe like just starting and, and doing those shows for free and everything there's a tendency that I think you you get pushed into a bubble because you want to be, you know, the next big pop star, which is fine. I mean, it could happen. Yeah. But when you look at, you know, the millions and millions of artists and songs that are available on, you know, Spotify, Apple Music, like Amazon, whatever it is, to break through that barrier and to be like a known artist, you know, household name, I mean, it's near impossible. Yeah. I yeah. think you may as well just do what you enjoy and do what you exactly. love as an artist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, rather than, you know, spending your life doing something that you're not emotionally invested in or yeah. not attached to. Yeah. I mean, like something like Poltergeist. It's, it was a weird song, actually, because I was, I mean, it was great, but I was like, what would you call that? Because it's not, it, it's kind of got like a bit of a pop edge to it, just from maybe like a production value. Yeah. But it isn't that, I mean, like the song is called Poltergeist and the lyrics yeah. behind it, it's not um, what, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a pop group off the top, like Little Mix will come out with something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, that's, a, I mean, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I, I wanted a pop production specifically to, just to kind of make it fit in a little bit in, into the market or somewhat commercial. But I wanted to keep everything a little bit creepy and a bit dark and... Um, yeah, basically. So I think I think I think you've understood it. <laughs> Is that kind of some of your your rockier influences and roots kind of showing through in your music a bit, or? I, Poltergeist is a funny one because I wasn't really 
I wasn't really going down a specific genre per se, apart from the, the pop production that I had in my mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've tried to, to kind of, the, the, the vocal is just, you know, it's quite soulful. So I've tried to incorporate elements of soul and, and yeah, maybe in like the outro, there's a sort of elements of some rock in there as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I think that's so it. <laughs> I, get, I guess talking about production and stuff, I, I wanted to ask because I see you're quite, you're quite involved in like home recording and, and Patreon as well, which is kind of, it's almost unusual to see an artist and a musician kind of involved in Patreon. Like I think predominantly it's, it's mainly like kind of gamers or YouTubers and stuff. How did you, how did you fall into that as a musician? Uh, I've only actually just joined Patreon literally in the last week. Um, and that's through, um, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just kind of working with a social media manager at the moment and she, her advice was to join it in order to actually make money from my music. So the idea being eventually to host live uh, streams, live streams through Patreon. And, you know, even if someone's paying one pound to see me perform, that's enough for me. <laughs> I'm just happy yes. to, to have people watch me so that that's the idea and I haven't actually I haven't done it yet as I say it's only been active for less than a week so um I've just redone my website as well so everything's just still coming together but um I'm, I'm excited about that because I, I would like to be making especially now when you know all gigs are cancelled for us it's you know it's just like a, a wilderness of just like whoa there's nothing going on so it would be nice to have even just a little bit of money coming in from people that want to hear me you know so, but, you know. I think you've hit the nail on the head. It is a wilderness, <laughs> and it's just like all these musicians kind of wandering around, like yeah. searching for money, and like, what do I do now? And it's yeah. it's genuinely really sad. It really it is. is. I mean, I um the last podcast I did, I, I did with my friend Jenny Watson, and she's a, a classical musician. Oh wow! And we kind of went into depth about you know because if you're in an orchestra, the guidelines they've given those guys, and like you have to sit back to back. Oh, it's crazy! It's crazy. <laughs> all this weird stuff. <laughs> Um, so like, let alone when they're performing in like concert halls, when, you know, at least you can leave a seat between people or something. Um, but if you go to a live venue, like most venues, uh, are are standing. Yeah. And there's no way anyone's going to do any kind of social distancing or it's not going to happen, is it? It's just, I mean... I, the thing I read recently from the MU was that, no, not the MU, sorry, it was in like some sort of daily newspaper. Apparently they were saying that if you're, so say there's two singers, that the two singers should stand back to back as well, like in a band. And I'm going, do you know what? Honestly, I would much rather never gig again if I'm going to have to do these stupid things. I mean, it's just, it ruins the vibe. It ruins the atmosphere. If there's no one allowed to dance, then what is the point? If you're doing like a function, for example, yeah. you know, it's just like, I, I mean, I can't even, I can't comprehend how they're coming up with these things. And it's just killing our industry. They don't seem to understand that we, we rely on actual humans being in a room together. <laughs> it's just yeah. like... <laughs> oh, it's great. It's funny, yeah. like being a drummer, they, they, um, I've seen like joke things people have started posting on like, you know, drummers forums and things. And people are, you know, like anti-backing their drum kits and like, because oh if you're sharing a kit on a gig and like all this stuff and wearing um, like oh face masks no. on the drums and things. And it's just, <laughs> <laughs> oh but it's, man. it's it, just reached an all time stupidity. It's just like, it's just not going to work. For us, it's not going to work. Oh.
Do you, do you think we'll get back to what it was for live music? I just, personally, I can't see it happening. I, I, it, I mean, hopefully it will start up again, but I mean, and it's fine now in this hot weather, you know, I'm, I've had some friends that have done outdoor gigs at the moment, you know, like a duo or, or on their own, but we can't, obviously we're in England, we can't rely on that. It might start snowing tomorrow, we don't, we don't know. <laughs> so what's going to happen then? Like, you know, do they expect us to perform in like gazebos in the middle of winter outside? You know, it's just like, it, it's just not sustainable. And, you know, it's going to be September soon and the weather's going to start changing. And I don't feel like the government is actually doing anything to, to like help us with that. You know, it's just like, oh yeah, they're all right. They're just, they can just stay there for a bit, you know, but yeah. people have lost their livelihoods. And it, it's, I was, I was talking to a friend about this the other day because, and we, we had to laugh because it shows kind of how as a, a lot of gigging musicians just aren't paid at all because obviously, you know, they're doing the, the eat out scheme yeah. now and it's, you know, 50% off food yeah. and, you know, all that stuff. And we were saying, oh, wouldn't that be, be amazing if they could have done it for gigs or musicians, be, you know, if you're paying £10 for a ticket, it's a £5 ticket. But I was like, oh yeah, but <laughs> you yeah. don't get paid anyway. It's 50% no, exactly. of nothing. Exactly. It's, but it's, I like, I think, and I've seen you do it as well on Instagram, a lot of the way forward, if there is going to be a way to sustain ourselves as musicians, it's got to be from a capacity at home as recording artists, I think, or yeah. just playing on other people's music. Like I, yeah. I do drum tracks for people and I send it to them no more. Like if you can do vocal tracks and send them yeah. off to people. Yeah. Um, but then if everyone's doing that, well, yeah. it's going to be oversaturated. Yeah, it's just going to be like the new function scene. So there's going to be too much of that, just like there was too much of function bands. And, you know, I mean, I, I've done quite a bit of session work over lockdown. I've been, I've been lucky um, as well as doing like my own single and stuff. But, but, you know, you can't, again, it's just like, it's just like live gigging. You can't rely on it. It comes and goes, you know, it's just when it's required kind of thing. And yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a very strange time. Very strange time. <laughs> it is. And I think that's why you going on something like Patreon is, it's really great. And it's a step in a new direction. I mean, mm. I know, I know a couple of YouTubers, they, cause like you said, if it's a pound and people can't donate a lot most of the time, but yeah. there's something called, um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called like a cup of coffee donation or something. And they, no, I think it's like a set. Do I think it's it's uh, like a set donation of like three pounds or something. But it's okay. like you know, buy me the price of a, of a cup of coffee because then it seems a bit more. Oh yeah, I could buy a coffee for someone whose music I listen to yeah. rather than yeah. just direct debit yeah, every yeah, month. Yeah. <laughs> it's it feels a bit more appealing to consumers. But yeah, whether it catches on or not in the music industry. Yeah, I mean, my, my thing, when I set it up, I was really reluctant and I said to the girl, look, you know, I, I have a really hard time asking people for money, like, because I, for, for, to hear me sing, like, if I'm doing a gig with my function band, like, they've paid for us, whatever, that's fine, but I have a really hard time saying, guys, I'm going to do a live thing, if you want to chuck some money at me, that's great, and, and I really struggled, and she's like, look, just, you know, don't be scared and that kind of thing. But I mean, I haven't done it yet. I'm still working up to actually sort of launching it per se. Um, 
but yeah so and that, I know there's a lot of musicians like that so I don't know if uh, if many of my friends will sort of join in I don't know <laughs> it, and yeah. it's a different way to do things isn't it like you said if you do a function gig or wedding or you know whatever it is most of the time you're paid in advance you're booked yeah. months in advance or at least it's you know like kind of 50 percent before and yeah. then they pay you the rest with some kind of deal that's worked yeah. out um but what have been your experiences kind of doing functions i mean you said you've done a lot yeah i've um been in our band i think been going for about well it would have been five years this year mm. um except this year's a write-off so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think we did two gigs this year and that was it um but yeah so we've been together five years um through we're, we're with an agent called uptown music um, they're fat, fat, really, really good. They, they're always on our side, so we're quite lucky with that. Mm. Um, we, we've been lucky. We've had some great gigs. We've had some terrible gigs, but I'd say the great ones are outweigh the, the bad ones. And um, usually our summers are just jam-packed. Mm. Um, you know, and we've been all over the place, all over the country. But, um, yeah, it's, it's been weird. I haven't seen my bandmates since like February like we've zoomed and things like that but it's it's just weird I really miss that feeling of just being on stage for live musicians and yeah oh my god so much it, it's <laughs> like missing part of your family yeah. and not 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 jamming together not rehearsing and like he's like you're on stage and I mean I, I'm sure you probably have this a million times in a function band where there's someone some drunk uncle or aunt or something on the dance floor who's making an idiot of himself and like you know the guitar player just turns around to you and kind of goes like you know oh yeah 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 yeah. have you seen them (laughs) yeah it's always just like the little things that that you really miss like and the the sort of you don't need to speak to each other exactly you just know what each other's thinking (laughs) my favorite one and one i'm always most scared of is uh whenever i've been in a band and we played um what is what's it called from dirty dancing i've had the time of my life Oh, right. Okay. You know, when they do in the end of the movie, when they do the lift, the dance scene, have, oh my God, that's like the most nerve wracking thing ever because you see people who are pretty drunk, who are like maybe in their fifties, try to run and jump at each other and lift together in the air. And it's on a slippy dance floor and you're like, this is going to end so badly. Not good. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, in, in sort of terms of like the new sort of health and safety things that are going to start coming in, I think I've, I always use my own microphone. Yeah. Mm. And one of the things now is like, there are some singers to use their own microphones. Um, and I'm like, I've been doing that for like forever yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but so I think, and, and I think they might at gigs, they might start saying to sort of the, the guests, like you can't sort of come near the band or whatever, which for me is great because, as the, like the singer, they come up to you, they put their arms around you, they're like trying to sing into the mic. And I'm just like, no, just, you know. So I, I would say if anything good is gonna come out of this, as function band, we'll have fewer people coming up and annoying us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Have you had any um, particularly bad or kind of memorable moments that you've had gigging where, you know, audience members have done something or? Um, I wouldn't say bad. They're just they're just, they're memorable. They're not bad. I mean, like we did a we did a great gig in um, in Oxford, and it it was like for some high corporate thing, and um, they were so drunk, like off their faces, and they just like hijacked the stage. We were doing "Living on a Prayer." It was the last song, and they just hijacked. There was no room for me. I had to go. 
And the, and the rest of the band were like, oh my God, kind of thing. And yeah, it, it's just things like that. They're just like, at the time, they might be annoying, or, but you look back on it and you're like, actually, that was, that was quite epic, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. There's, so, yeah. There's, yeah, there's been a few like that. The worst is when people come up to the stage, and I'm all for this if there's going to be a, a gap in the stage, because people will come up and... Um, uh, have you ever had it when someone's like dropped alcohol on the stage? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like, oh, you just see the guitarist's face go because there's all like the pedals and everything, and just yeah. holding that anger in, but knowing they're getting paid for the night. Yeah, 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 I know. We put up with a lot, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all good fun, though, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I've, I don't know if you've ever had this as a as a female front woman, like I, because so I've done some work for cruise lines and like you said, that kind of more corporate environment. We've done it before when they've given us specs on the costumes we need to wear. So if, um, you know, it was for like um, these Motown nights and stuff. Mm. And we all, like all the men had to have, um, you know, like matching suits and, and ties and shirts and everything. And then the female costume for the singer had to be a uh, short dress, above the knee, high heels. And, you know, we were kind of like, well, is that really a necessity? <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I mean, I, I mean, in, at my gigs, when we've done some weddings and they've been a little bit more conservative, they, they've asked the agent to tell me to wear a long dress. And because um, in all our promo, I'm wearing a short dress because that, that's what I do kind of thing. And at that, that particular time, I didn't own one long dress and I had to go out and buy a long dress. Right. Um, which I found really annoying at the time, but it's turned out to be like, you know, I've worn them other things now. So that's great. That's <laughs> good, like, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but at the time I was a bit like, so I have to do something, but the guys are okay to just wear whatever they want. You mm. know, like the guys don't get told what to wear. I mean, obviously they're, they're bound to wear a suit in any case, but. Right, yeah. But like you don't have any requests for the guys, but the girl gets told to like, I think once it was like, make sure she doesn't wear anything too revealing or something. I was like, <laughs> like, wow. what? I, I mean, I don't do that anywhere. I don't go on stage like with like things showing me, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, of course, like you're a professional, you're going yeah. to work. It's like, yeah, absolutely. How, how has that made you feel in the past then when you've had clients or agents request that of you? I mean, it depends what it is. Obviously, you know, the client is paying for you to, to do a job and, and that's fine and you know they they want you to look the part or fit in with their their guests or whatever but I don't know it's kind of like you know you've seen our promo you see what mm. we're about and if you don't like it then why are you sort of hiring us <laughs> you know with, with the utmost respect it's a bit like you know and, and I think once they were like they told us at the very last minute that the thing was like circus themed or something and and like last minute and I, and I was like I don't have anything circus themed and like the guys were like what are we supposed to wear <laughs> so we just turned up in our you know usual attire and and it was fine but it was like these, they just come up with the most the crazy requests and it's like if you tell us a month in advance we can figure something out for example yeah. you know but wow. I can't just magic up like you know costume like a clown costume for the whole <laughs> yeah, band yeah just just everyone wearing a clown costume yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow 
So uh, just imagine like the guitarist on like a unicycle or sort of like, you know, the red nose yeah. and it's just, wow. Yeah, that's an odd one. I haven't heard of it, like a clown theme. But I mean, like you said, if they're paying you, it's a bit like, okay, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But I know, I know we spoke a little bit just before we started doing a podcast um, about kind of the empowerment of women in music. So yeah. what are your what are your views on that and what makes you so passionate about that particular subject? Um, well, I think just sort of stemming from what we were just talking about, about women being specifically being told what to wear, I kind of think, you know, men historically in music can just get away with anything. They can wear what they want, they can do what they want, they can swear, they can have naked women dancing around in their videos. And that's fine, right? But for, if a female artist decides to do a video where she's wearing, I don't know, like a bikini or something, or like a short, tight dress, she's mm. probably going to get criticised for it. She, she'll get called, I don't know, uh, fat, short, whatever, shouldn't be wearing that because of this, or she, that doesn't suit her, or whatever, you know. And it's like, it, it's, it should be the artist's choice, male or female, to wear whatever they want and represent themselves how they want. And the industry seems, even in today's sort of day and age, it seems like they've still got it in for female artists and they're criticised so much. It doesn't matter what they do. You know, you could have like a singer, um, I forgot what her name is. That's about the one that did the song River. Um, she's just like a rock singer, you know. She's got like a shaved head. She looks awesome, you know. And like she's been criticised and then like, you know, your normal singers have been criticised, Ariana Grande has been criticised for whatever, you know, Nicki Minaj is criticised, everyone's criticised and it's like, well, what do you want us to be exactly? Do you, do, you know, we, we, we're not okay like that and we're not okay like that. So if we're, if we're never going to please you, then why do you bother criticising? Just, just, just respect the music and respect the artist, you know what I mean? Well, like you said, it's an artist's choice, isn't it? But, yeah. And, it is, I mean, like, you know, we're living in a time where, you know, there's a, I, I'd like to say there was gender equality. I don't think we're quite there yet. I but I think, think we're, so, yeah. I, I'd like to think that we're pushing towards it. Yeah. But why do you think female artists are criticised so heavily then? And what, what would be the reason behind someone doing that? I, I really don't know, to be honest. I, I mean, it's a thing, it's, it's not just in music, is it? It's like even in, in, in the workplace today, there is still, you know, um, inequality in the workplace for sure. Um, you know, I think growing up, I really, um, I love Christina Aguilera. Um, and it's specifically when she released Stripped, I was like, whoa, okay, this, this, this is, this is the album. And everything she said just spoke to me because her thing was like, you know, one of her songs, Can't Hold Us Down, is like, so a guy can, just you know have as many partners as he wants and that's fine but if a, a girl has been around the block a few times she's labeled like a whore or whatever so why why is that okay for a guy but it's not okay for a girl just even things like that we're still talking about that now and it's like women just get like you know slated for everything they do i, I, I really don't know why because i mean you know there are some things that guys can do better than women. There are things that women can do better than guys. <laughs> but like, ultimately, we should just be allowing people to express themselves if we're talking about music, just the way they want to. And it should just be respected. Absolutely. And I, I think that kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about 
being an artist and like you were saying they didn't know what to do with you and what genre to put you into and I think yeah. and again I, I really don't have a reason for it I guess the market or it must it it must make sales or something mm. but often you know like a rock artist could be marketed a female rock artist could be marketed very differently to say female pop artists in what they yeah. wear how they act yeah um, and you watch some of those you know, like a music video or live performance whatever it is and I don't know about you but I'm always thinking okay well I wonder how much they kind of wanted to do with this and yeah. how much was kind of pushed on them from a producer yeah. or whoever yeah and I think um you see that with artists like Christina Aguilera or Pink back in mm. in the early days you see that with the second album they felt they looked and sounded more at home like they more like themselves because the first album more from the not is like some pop thing just to get them out there which yeah. obviously works but the you can see that they just become themselves and then they're on all their music is just you can tell it's from the heart and it's genuine you know and so like I just don't understand why we can't be doing that from the start and I think that's another thing that when people ask me what my genre is I always say I don't know because I I feel like I don't fit in anywhere I just I'm inspired by loads of different genres mm. like just loads of genres and and I try and put that into the way I write and the way I sing and um you know people are like well you have to have a genre I'm like well no, I don't <laughs> I, I, you know I, I you can call me a pop artist if you like mm. but my music isn't pop and the way I deliver isn't pop so I know um, yeah. pop's such a weird thing because obviously it evolves and then like you were saying about how different artists on the various albums they go through stages like I remember when it's like 2009 maybe 2010 when uh, Lady Gaga released uh, Fame and yes, I was like yeah. I'm really not into this it just didn't appeal to me at the time yeah I was like you know high school into Metallica sort of like you know and yeah. then a year or two later she brought out Born This Way and I was like, oh my God, this album's amazing. Yeah. And it was just all these different influences and like Italian influences yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. piano ballads. And I was like, this is amazing. And then it yeah. was like her own album. Yeah, totally. I think since then she seems to have gone down a very different path. Um, yeah, the recent stuff has been a bit weird because she's an amazing singer and an amazing artist. And I don't understand why she's not sort of working, like using that more, but you know, mm. Yeah. For her. <laughs> I think like what you said about different genres it's and having those influences it's great because if you're just um, you know if you just listen to heavy metal then all you're going to produce is heavy metal and you're not going to yeah. break the mold you're not going to come with anything but you look at look at an artist like uh, like Jack White who started mm -hmm. doing garage rock with the, the white stripes yeah and now his albums are like really heavily country influenced because yeah. he lives in Nashville yeah but then he's working on stuff with beyonce and with hip-hop artists and you're like you're an amazing human being yeah. <laughs> it's so cool yeah but i think um, that's what music's about as well i mean it, you know it's about um experimenting with different styles and things like that you know i i do some session work and i i do a lot of sort of house stuff like in a lot of beaver kind of you know big sort of vocal things and but then the, recently i did something that was more like um, massive attack you know, so it was okay. all kind of like, uh, you know, atmospheric and, you know, it was all kind of falsetto vocals. And I really enjoyed it because I don't get to use that side of my voice a lot. And um, it was really nice to do something different. And I, that, that's what I 
seeing myself doing as, as an artist, just, you know, dipping into little different sections and seeing what it sounds like. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, and I think that's, that's some of the fun stuff about doing session work as well, that you, like you said, you don't know what project is going to come in next, and it yeah. could be like that Massive Attack project, or it could be anything. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're put in that box of just one specific genre, mm. I think it's quite, um, you feel a little bit trapped sometimes. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you as well was um, your your song that you're involved with would be Help Musicians UK. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us about that. Um, so that was arranged by a good friend of mine, Leo Thomas. Um, Leo Player is his uh, stage name. But um, he he wanted to just get a group of friends together and just to do something. This was like at the start of lockdown. So initially it just started out as a collaboration, you know, just like mm. a, a lockdown collaboration. Um, and it took a while to get everyone together and for everyone to do their section. Um, basically, Leo had seen a mashup of Living for the City and Paradise City on YouTube. Someone had already done it, just taking the original songs and putting them together. Um, and he loved it. And he was like, oh, we should do this live. I mean, you know, like, we should record this. Mm. Um, and the actual guy that did that got involved as well. And he was like, yeah, this sounds great. So we eventually got it done. Um, and uh, then Leo was like, well, we should actually you know, make this worthwhile and let's get connected to a charity or something. And since we're not, none of us are working, let's do help musicians, you know. So um, he did it all on his own. So I'm really, I'm so proud of him. And it's, it's done really well. Like it's got airplay on like uh, sort of local radio stations, Vibe FM, um, nice. help musicians have been promoting it as well. Uh, so yeah, it was a really fun project to work with. I know a lot of the players in it as well. So yeah, it's good. Nice. It feels good to sort of be uh, working collaboratively with other yeah. musicians during this time as well. Definitely. Yeah, excellent. Nice. Um, I guess, so as we start to wrap up now, um, I just, the last thing I wanted to ask you was, what are some of your proudest moments that you've had in the course of your career? You know, whether that's live work people you've worked with or just something you're proud of personally um i did backing vocals for the band james on jules holland a couple of years ago mm. uh, and that just happened because their vocal coach was a friend of uh of, of mine and my husband's and he was just like uh, i've got a gig for you if you're interested and i was like yeah what is it and he was like this is jules holland i was like oh yeah that's <laughs> Kind of things, like, but it was great. I mean, it was a really long day, but it was one of the best experiences. Like you're working with true pros, you know, um, you know, the the whole team, the, the the band themselves were just great to hang out with. So much fun, um, and probably the only time I'll ever be on the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but it was great, and and you know, um, I was kind of hoping I, I might get some more work out of it, but they they sort of nothing happened after that, but. I'll always remember that as being my, my little, little moment of fame. Like, like they zoomed in on me and stuff. So it was, it was oh, really cool. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> but do you know what? I think in general, everything I've done, and I know like we're all in the same boat, I've done on my own. Like I've, I've had, like I said, I've had no help. I don't come from like a stage school background or anything. I don't come from a musical family. Everything I've ever done has just been me sort of, sort of, sort of, what's the word? Um, walking in the dark you know kind of thing I don't know what I'm doing kind of just oh I'll try that oh yeah I might do that oh I don't know you know just yeah and 
it's I'm not I'm not a very confident kind of person so for me to even like email someone and say oh hey this is me if you need a vocal it's a really really hard thing for me to do so kind of breaking those fear boundaries for me all throughout my career has I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I'm still growing and still trying to become more confident and even if the little success I've had like minuscule I'm proud of it because it's you know it's just me trying to pursue my dreams so and if anything happens then that's great but otherwise I'll just be doing this forever <laughs> amazing cool I think that's that's a really lovely and positive note to end on and it's like you said just you keep doing it it's music yeah. it's eternal right yeah <laughs> amazing well Natalie thank you so much for being on the show 